think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. I'm going to tell you a story first. It's a true story. And I'm really just going to, going to read it because this was written by somebody that was going through the issue that I want to talk about tonight. This is a story about a girl named Stephanie. And the names, I'm old enough to remember when television programs came on, they would always say the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Well, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. This is what Stephanie said. She says, I have two black dogs. Sometimes I only have one, but once I see him, I know the other will shortly follow. I don't always have the black dogs with me. Some days I feel completely weightless, like I'm not carrying a burden at all. But I'm so used to the black dogs being around. I feel guilty not having them. I worry if they're not with me, they must be with somebody else. But when they are with me, I want to leave. I want them to leave. I wish they would die and never return. But they cannot be killed. The black dog's names are depression and anxiety. You never know when they're going to come back to their master. Although I am their master, I have no control over them. They are constantly barking confusing me. I can't think with them barking so loudly. The shame of owning these black dogs is real. You feel like that they're a sign of weakness. You don't want anyone to know that you have these black dogs, especially these dogs that you can't control. When you see friends, you turn the music up louder so they can't hear the dogs. You pull the curtains, too, so people can't see these black dogs. You're so busy worrying about people seeing the black dogs, so worried the black dogs will escape and bite somebody, that you give up. You isolate yourself, wanting to be alone with them. These dogs soon take over everything in your life. They take up all your time. People who come over, you push away because you don't want them to see the real side of you, the pain and the shame that you're feeling. If people see these dogs, you get defensive. You reassure people that they're okay, they're okay, I have them trained and under control, but you alone can never control them. All the things you used to enjoy are now pointless. The dogs distract you and ruin everything surrounding you. You don't want to be affected by these dogs, and that's why you hide. And when you finally admit to yourself that you need to get help with these dogs, they leave. You think the worst is over. They won't come back. But for me, they always come back. They come back at any time. And most of the time, the dogs are now bigger and more vicious 
the next time. Some days I just want to end it all. I tried once, but luckily I was unsuccessful. I just want to have a day without these black dogs or a day when I can fully control them. This is a true story about an individual that was battling anxiety, worry, depression, hopelessness. It's a real thing. It's real. I'm told that anxiety and depression and hopelessness affects 40 million Americans. 40 million Americans. That's 14% of the population. If there were 40 people in here, it would mean that six of you are battling what I just read. It just so happens in the last six months, I've had six people come to me about this very issue. It's debilitating. It hampers your Christian joy. It hampers your relationship with your spouse, with your family, with your friends, with your job, every aspect of your life. This is a real problem that people face. What is anxiety, you say, Jeff? Everyone here has felt the feeling of anxiety at some point in their life, whether it's that job interview that you have to go to tomorrow, Josh. Anxiety rears its head. Taking tests, Mary, anxiety is real. Major changes in life. There are many effects of anxiety, and I'm not gonna go into them for time's sake, but suffice it to say, it causes physical symptoms in your life. It causes pain that you feel. It causes the heart to pound. It causes stomach cramping. I've seen people shaking with anxiety. Anxiety affects your ability to cope and to lead a Christian life, the kind of life that the Lord Jesus expects us to live. It affects your performance at work when you deal with anxiety. It is severe and it's there all the time for some people. And to be honest with you, some anxiety is good. What do you mean, Jeff? It helps us to react to potential threats. I'm walking down the street and a dog gets after me, man, anxiety's kicking in. It helps my adrenaline pump and I get moving. But when that issue's over with, my anxiety level comes down to where it should be. Those with anxiety, it stays up. It never comes down. And it's a battle that people face all the time. And I'm not gonna talk about all the, again, all the physical side effects, but listen to what Isaiah 26.3 says. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth thee. <clears throat> a, uh, a family was sending their grandmother on her very first plane ride. She had not been very confident about the fact she had to get on that contraption and fly in the air. Grandmother was absolutely terrified. When grandmother left and came back, the entire family met her at the airport. And one of the family members kiddingly asked grandma, she said, well, grandma, 
Did, did the plane hold you up okay? Grandma looked at her as only grandmas can do, and she grudgingly replied, well, well, yes, yes it did, but I never did put my full weight down on the floor in the plane. <laughs> you know, we're a lot like that in life. Many Christians are just like grandma. The truth is, we are being sustained completely at all times by God Almighty. But we're afraid to put our full weight down on him. As a result, we are plagued by anxiety and we're not able to enjoy the flight of life. There are many things that I know people in this church are anxious about. I know there are people anxious about their finances and worried about how they're going to pay their bills. There are people, we worry about things that we can't control and we don't even know if they're going to happen when we have anxiety. For instance, how am I going to be able to fix my car if it breaks down? People worry about that. What, what if I lose my job? How will we put the kids through college when they're five years old? How can we meet the medical bills that I have? How will I ever save enough for retirement? I'm talking about things that you and I worry about, keeping our feet off the floor of that airplane on a daily basis. We're anxious about our children. Will they turn out okay? Will they avoid drugs and immorality? Things that have not happened, we worry about. Will they be safe in this crime-ridden world? How will they be able to get to college, and will they get a decent job when they're out of college? Will they marry a godly person and, and have a happy home? Again, things that haven't happened, and we're worried about it. God's in control, guys. What kind of world will my kids live in? The list could go on and on and on, and maybe... You're getting anxious just listening to me. I don't know. <laughs> to those who follow the Lord, Jesus made this promise. Now, I'm talking about people that are anxious about issues of life. This is what Jesus said. Peace I leave with you. Amen. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, Give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Jesus spoke these comforting words on probably the most difficult night of his life. It was the, the night before the crucifixion. He was telling people, peace, be of good cheer. He gave us an example. There are numerous times in the New Testament that God is called either the God or Lord of peace. This peace can be and should be the constant experience of a Christian. That should be the norm for us as believers in Jesus. In our topic, our, our text verse tonight, in Philippians 4, 6-9, Paul, 
by the way, who was a prisoner at the time that he wrote that, tells us how we can have that peace. To experience God's peace instead of anxiety. And each of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we will be honest and say, I do suffer with that. Paul tells us how we can have God's peace instead of anxiety, and this is it. And I'm going to broaden this just a bit here. Pray with thankfulness about every concern. There are three key words in these verses that reveal the theme of what Paul is trying to tell us. First, he says in, in Philippians 4, 6, be careful. That word, who knows what that word careful means there? It means don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. And then he talks about prayer and peace. Being anxious is the problem that many of us have in life. And God's word tells us, put it off. Put it off. Prayer is the procedure we are told to practice. And peace is the product that he promises we will have. We must, point number one, we must put off anxiety. Listen to this. Which is sin. Anxiety is sin. And I'm going to show you how it is. Be careful or anxious for nothing. Last week, Brother Phipps preached what I thought was a fantastic message in Ephesians chapter 5, where it says it was another one of those be. Be ye therefore followers of Jesus. He is telling us that we should be anxious for nothing. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus made it very clear that anxiety stems from one of two things, a lack of faith and, uh, from, uh, and a wrong focus. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. I want you to see this. Anxiety stems from a lack of faith and from a wrong focus on the things of the world instead of the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 6, and look at verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body. What ye shall put on is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, anxiety, Worry, concern, can add one cubit to its statue. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of them, of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. There, take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. God clearly 
wants us to be a people that don't worry that we that do not worry about the things that we worry about in life. We excuse our anxieties by saying, "Well, it's only human to worry." Or anybody would feel anxious in this situation. If we say that, we will never overcome the worry and the concern that we have in life because we are not confronting the root cause of this problem. Namely, this is the root cause of this problem, our sin of not believing God and not seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. We are seeking our own desires and what we want in life. The Lord wants Christians to have God's joy in every situation. There's not one situation you can name that God doesn't want and expect us to have joy. Not just so that we're happy people, but so that they will, so that you and I will be effective witnesses of Jesus. Look in, in Philippians chapter 2. Go back there if you would. This is very important and I want you to see this. Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 and 15. Do all things without murmuring and disputing that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation, Listen, this is the point I want you to see. You can't be this next part when you are living un with anxiety and not having the joy of God in your life. The next part is this, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. That's what he wants us to do. That's why we are supposed to have joy in life, so that we shine, so that others can see the goodness of God Amen. Almighty. In other words... We are to be seeking God's kingdom, not our own happiness. Amen. If a non-Christian sees me as a believer, weighed down with anxiety and care, he isn't going to be too tempted to want what I have, is he? We need joy in our life to shine as Philippians chapter 2, verse 15 says, Anxiety and joy are mutually exclusive. I know a lot of young ladies named Joy. Never met one named Anxiety. <laughs> I've met some that have given me anxiety. But... So for the sake of our testimony of Jesus Christ, it's imperative that we learn to experience the peace that God gives through every trial, through every situation, through any circumstance. That's what God expects. We do that by letting go of the anxieties and the worries and the hopelessness that we have. Let me ask you a question. If I brought this, when I was in college, I had to take some um, philosophy and psychology classes. Hated them, thought they were stupid, but nonetheless, if I brought this class into my philosophy class, what would the question that the professor, what would the question be that the professor would ask? Is it ha that's exactly right. That's not the question I'm gonna ask you. I wanna ask you, how heavy is this class? Any guesses? 
What would you guess? How heavy is it? Yeah, both of them. Ten ounces. Somebody else? I'm sorry? You know, from, from my perspective, as the one holding this glass, the absolute weight doesn't matter. What matters is how long I hold it. If I hold it for a minute, it's fairly light. I can, I can do that. If I hold this for an hour straight, my arm's going to start hurting. If I hold it all day long, my arm would cramp. My fingers will go numb. They'll become paralyzed. The glass will drop to the floor and break. In each case, the weight of the glass didn't change. It's the same. But the longer I hold it, the heavier it gets. Your stress Amen. and your worries of life are just like this glass of water. You think about them for a little while and you put it down, nothing happens. You think about them a little longer and you begin to ache a little bit. You think about those problems all day long, you begin to feel numb and paralyzed, incapable of doing anything else until you drop. We must, we must let it go. Amen. This also means when it comes to the matter of dealing with anxiety, we must, at the onset of anxiety, confront our motives for wanting to have God's peace. Why do I want to have peace? Our motive should not be the removal of stress from our lives to make our lives better. You say, what in the heck are you talking about, Jeff? It should be, help me, Lord, to have your peace for your kingdom's sake. If our reason for wanting to be free from anxiety is so that we can live peacefully and have pleasant lives, our focus is self-centered. And therefore, wrong should never be about us, should always be about him. Mark 8.35 says this, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. Lose yourself. Amen. 
lose yourself. The peace that Christ offers is the byproduct of enthroning him on the throne of your life and us living for his kingdom. In Luke 8, 14, you don't have to turn there, but it's the parable of the sower. And Jesus warns that the seed which fell among the thorns represents those who have heard the gospel. And it says this, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this, this life and bring no fruit to perfection, no maturity. We have Christians that are bogged down like this example of the sower who are bogged down with the cares of this life because you're riding in that jet plane with your feet up off the floor, not sitting back and letting the pilot take control. <clears throat> in relationship to that passage in Philippians 4, 6, <clears throat> we don't have a simple formula for getting rid of anxiety. This is it. You do A, B, and C, and voila, it's gone. Many people will tell you, if you're anxious, pray, pray. That'll do it. Pray. No. That's, people have done that. If you're anxious, examine your lack of faith in the living God. He is prompt. Let me, let me read you some, some verses of what he has already said. Let me see if I can find it here. Listen to this. If you have anxiety, examine your faith, not, not whether you're saved or not, but your dependence on him. Listen to what he says. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And in Psalms again, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We need to examine our faith when we have anxiety. Am I trusting in what God has already promised for me? Or if that's not a problem, we need to examine our focus, whether I am living for Christ and his kingdom, or am I living for myself? That is the answer. We're either not believing what God has already told us, or we are living for self and not living for him. And I'll be five minutes and I'll be done. John. <laughs> we must, number two, we must practice prayer with thankfulness about every concern. In Philippians 4, 6, 
Paul mentions four Greek words. Matter of fact, turn there if you would. I want you to see this. Four six. <clears throat> I, when I was studying, it blew my mind. I didn't even realize this until I started studying it. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, number one, and supplication, number two, with thanksgiving, number three, let your request, request, number four, be known unto God. Those four words that I, that I highlighted in the Greek, they all have to do with prayer. He's telling us four different times in four different ways to pray. The first one, prayer, is a general word for prayer, always used in reference to God with the nuance of being totally reverent to him. When Paul says to make our request known to God, the Greek word means praying is face-to-face -face reverence with him. This means that when we pray, we must stop to realize we are coming into the very presence of the holy God of this universe. It's the same God that the angels in Isaiah said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord host. We need to go to him with reverent prayer about the problem that we're facing. And I'm skipping a lot, and, uh, um, but I think you're getting the point. The second word, supplication. This word gives uh, prominence to the sense of the need that I have and also looks at the specific request. It is, it is me talking specifically about my problem I, and admitting, Lord, I have a problem. I've been depending upon myself way too much. I need to stop depending upon me and I'm casting all of my care on you. Supplication. Third, thanksgiving. When we're anxious, it's because probably we're in a tough situation, right? At such times as that, thankfulness is not automatic, and it's not spontaneous. But he tells us to be thankful. We have to deliberately, by an act of faith, give him thanks for the situation that we're in. Thanksgiving in a time of trial will reflect on three things. It will help us to remember God, how he supplied for me in the past. If I think about all that God has done for me and how he supplied, I cannot help but be thankful for that. Number two, Thanksgiving talks about, it shows that I am submissive to God's sovereign will for the present. God, whatever you bring my way, I am thankful that you are in control and I am going to go through whatever you have me to go through. And the third part of thankful, thankfulness is trusting in God's sufficiency for the future. You know, we can sit here and worry about every problem that comes our way and it's not going to change one thing in life. There is a God in heaven that knows exactly what's going to happen to Jeff Hopper tomorrow. And I have to put my faith and trust in him, and I have to thank him for that. <clears throat> the fourth word in, that, uh, in Philippians 4, 6 is request. This word is similar to supplication, but it emphasizes this. And I think this is a place where we fell a lot. It emphasizes specific and definite natures of our petition. So often I know, and I've been guilty of this, Lord bless all the children in the world, and our prayers become very general. But what he wants to hear, 
Father, I've been depending on me. I've been trusting in me. I've not trusted you. I am putting all of these cares on you. That's what request is, being very specific about what he has for us. So first, we must put off anxiety. We must practice prayer with thankfulness about every concern. And then God promises an incomparable peace when we pray. I am not talking about some psychological peace gained through coping mechanisms. I am talking about what Paul is talking about is the peace that comes from a God who's not subject to anxiety, who is sovereign, who is omnipotent, who is the creator and Lord of this universe. Humanly, it's unexplainable. But praise God, it's real. I've experienced his calm assurance in difficult times. The only explanation could be God Almighty's peace abided with me. Do you know God's peace? In the midst of every situation of life? Is your faith for the problems that you face in him or in you? This is being stated by a guy that thinks he can probably much figure out whatever problems I face, and that's a sin. Is your faith in him and is your focus on his kingdom rather than selfish pursuits? Have you drawn near to him in reverent, specific, and thankful prayer? You can put your full weight down on him, and he will bear you up and give you indescribable peace. It makes the flight of life so much more enjoyable. Let's pray.